All right, welcome back. We are here with Crossfire Faith and Gaming. And uh, Russ, why don't you just get started right away? I, well, no, okay. Before Russ starts, I got I got some housekeeping to, to tell you all about. We uh, have already recorded this podcast once. Um, so unfortunately, you're getting the second run through of the podcast. Uh, basically what happened, we recorded it. I had some audio issues. Those of you who know me, we're going to laugh at that because I always have audio issues. In my quest for perfection, I have found perfection 10% of the time. Uh, so we had tons of audio issues. It's basically unlistenable. I think it's currently up on YouTube. I may have taken it down already, um, but it was it was it was rough. Let's just say that. So we are re-recording. Uh, we're going to tell you about the same news and some new news, and then for today's podcast, we will talk about Crossfire and kind of who we are and what we believe, and uh, go from there. So Russ, start us off with. Why don't we start with the old news? Give me the old news first. We'll do a quick rundown of the biggest things. I mean, probably the biggest thing that we covered in the previous uh, recording of this podcast is the Activision Blizzard news that occurred uh, several weeks ago and all of the fallout that's come from it. Of course, for those of you who don't know about it, Activision and Blizzard, it came forward uh, based on the state of California, I believe, and some lawsuits that were brought forward due to harassment, sexual harassment, other different things that were just absolutely horrendous and horrible um, and, and things that honestly right now make me not want to support or do anything for Activision Blizzard. Even though some things have occurred since that point, it still leaves a bad taste in my mouth to ever support them again. Uh, a couple things that happened, the Blizzard president stepped down after the allegations. Um, some other high-up executives stepped down from the company as a result of everything that happened. Some employees did a walkout requesting and demanding some changes to the companies, which they are still working through. They haven't fully um, followed up with that. So, Dave, what are your thoughts on what we saw there, what we saw with Activision, what you've heard? Um, if you haven't heard our previous podcast with uh, Andrew Baer, Highly recommend it. We do chat about this a little bit from an insider's perspective. So definitely check that out. But Dave, what are your thoughts on everything that went down with that? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think to start off with, uh, I'm going to do a thing where I'm going to say, we're going to put Andrew Bears maybe, maybe here, maybe here. Uh, well, maybe I'm holding it. We'll try to, if nothing else, we'll put the link for that interview in the, uh, in the comments or in the uh, description of the video. Uh, he was a UI developer for Gearbox working on Borderlands 3, then set out for his own uh, gaming studio uh, to do UI development for other companies. Uh, amazing, amazing guy. Amazing conversation. Definitely check that out. Um, um, when it comes to the stuff with Activision Blizzard, uh, it's hard for me because I think, you know, I grew up uh, loving Blizzard games, playing StarCraft, StarCraft II, WarCraft, um, before it was World of WarCraft, uh, just when it was WarCraft Three, you know. Um, and so I love those games, and then I was really into Overwatch for a while. I uh, have lots of friends that work at Blizzard, um, and my wife fell into a group of friends whose husbands all worked at Blizzard. Um, so, uh, you know, I have a lot of love for Blizzard, but at the same time, I think hearing about this stuff going on, um, luckily did not involve any of our friends or anybody that we know, um, but certainly was a, a stain on the company's reputation um, because it was not just something that was happening. It was something that a lot of executives knew about, did not take the proper steps, kind of like the stuff we saw in the Catholic Church, right? Um, bad stuff happens, then you have to actually take care of it. You have to actually say, we're going to take the steps necessary to make sure this never happens again, rather than how can we cover this up so we avoid the bad PR because then that just makes worse PR down the road. Um, um, so I think at least I'm glad that it's being dealt with. Uh, and I think that this is a wake up call for a lot of other companies. So hopefully in the wake of this terrible news about this 
horrible thing that happened. Um, hopefully this is a wake up call for a lot of other companies to say, Ooh, maybe we should double and triple check our sexual harassment policies. Maybe we should double and triple check our employees. Maybe if something comes up in the future, we actually deal with it rather than sweeping it under the rug. So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, um, moving on, I mean, most of the other news we covered previously is, is pretty much old news now. So I'm going to kind of move on to some of the new news that's going to be updated in this podcast. Uh, one of the first uh, headlines, which, you know, if you're you're a gaming person, you might have heard about this quite a while ago. But back in the year 2012, nearly a decade ago, mind you, oh man, there was a little studio called 38 Studios, and it, it became famous because... Uh, it was run by Kurt Schilling, ex-MLB Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, World Series winning pitcher. And he took a lot of money from the state of Massachusetts, I believe. And then he bankrupted that company. Well, Kurt Schilling, and this is the, the headline from an article from Bloomberg and our friend Jason Schreier, the best gaming journalist in the world. Kurt Schilling's failed game studio finally sends last paychecks to employees. Money is only a fraction of what former employees were owed, and 38 Studios closed in 2012 after mismanagement and lavish spending. Um, so, ridiculously enough, employees were able to get 14 to 20% of their final paychecks that they were supposed to get when the studio closed back in 2012, part of the bankruptcy agreement, and they're just now getting it. So, very unfortunate news. I'm glad they're getting something, but also they need to get their full amounts it's very sad what happened there. If you guys are at all interested, feel free to search 38 Studios and to kind of see the story and the history there. Tons of YouTube videos as well that cover what happened. And the game that this was all based around was, um, oh, I can't even remember it right now. I am drawing a blank. Uh, Kingdoms of Amular, um, which has been released. Uh, it was actually picked up by another company. They bought the IP and the information during the bankruptcy, and then they released it. I believe it was the THQ relaunch that we saw that went out and purchased it so that did come out uh but all those uh sadly all those employers uh were not able to get uh money so uh we we feel for those people and we hope that you know they get something in the end a little bit more than what they received uh any thoughts on hearing about that dave no i, I didn't know about it which is weird you know because I'm, I'm a video game fan and i uh also a big baseball fan um know who kurt schilling is um but i i just you know somehow that slipped under my radar probably 2012 was in that gap where i was uh starting a family and kind of fell out of touch with a lot of things in the world um so yeah, no no real thoughts there. Um, but I do want to jump into another piece of old news uh, that was uh, a happy birthday to No Man's Sky that turned five years old. Uh, and with that, they released a 17th, yes, you heard that correctly, a 17th update or free expansion. Uh, so, you know, we talked a little bit when we first recorded this podcast about how cool that was for me personally, I jumped back into, or jumped into No Man's Sky after, I want to say two years when they came out with the Atlas update, uh, really amazing story for No Man's Sky to go from, uh, the steam reviews that were overwhelmingly negative to overwhelmingly positive. What an amazing turnaround and it's not like they charged for any of these expansions that they, they were not dlc they were just free fixes to the game so anybody out there creating a game hello studios has a great model for how to actually deliver on something and uh i would also say for you know stadia uh you should definitely take a card from no man's sky because they might be able to help you deliver on some of the things that you promised us 
anyway, not that I'm sad or sour, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's exciting to see delivery uh, for five years going for No Man's Sky. So, Russ, are you are you jumping back into No Man's Sky? Have you tried it out again? I need to. I was one of the early adopters. I got it at launch because I was very excited for the game. Unfortunately, it was not what I expected it to be. I only had the game for about a week, and then I traded it back in to get full credit with GameStop. I moved on from there. So I haven't gone back to it. I do have free copies of it because I've gotten those previously through PlayStation Plus, Game Pass, all the different ways that it's been available to people now, and I do have it. So I do need to jump back in and experience it again, see what it's all about now. I, I, I mean, I feel in what I've seen, it looks like a completely different game from the game that I played on launch. So kudos to Hello Game Hello Hello Games. Hello Games. Thank you guys uh for doing that and and really showing what a game studio should do when they make a mistake. Work hard to make amends. Don't just move on. Cough cough EA and certain games that EA has uh, that have disappeared completely and completely abandoned. Uh but yeah, let's move on. Uh this one hits home for me we're gonna have a little quick discussion about this but uh as everybody knows some people know at home i am a game collector i do like collecting older games have all playstation consoles games for them i have a dreamcast a genesis super nintendo regular nintendo the only console i don't have is an n64 which i will chat about here in just a second but the news if you guys have not been out there i i know some people have noticed some of this stuff since covid hit Things that are collectible have jumped in value. We are currently in the biggest Pokemon resurgence since the original cards launched and the game launched back in 98, 99. Cards are going for thousands and thousands of dollars. People are going nuts with old cards trying to get them again. Uh, Kids are getting to experience the Pokemon craze all over again now. And it's kind of cool to see as a Pokemon fan, the resurgence of it and seeing what it's, it also makes me a little sick to my stomach because I don't know where my cards went from back then. And I see how much they're going for now. And I'm like, I have a treasure trove somewhere in a box. Can't find it. But video games are selling also in a much higher capacity. Uh, The article that we pulled was Goodwill sells sealed copy of NES Legend of Zelda for $411,000. But looking further into the article, a better copy of this exact game went for 879000 So it is not precedent, uh, not against the normal realm of things to see this game go for 400000 David, what are your thoughts in seeing these old school games sell for as much as they are and kind of what's going on right now in society with collectibles making a jump back into the mainstream? Uh, some of it is that... Uh... You know, I wonder if it's the the collectibles generation, you know, our generation kind of moving up uh, into a little bit more wealth. uh, And so, you know, now spending more money on collectibles, things that we remember collecting when we were kids, like games, baseball cards. Um, I remember talking to somebody who said that uh, the value of cars, uh, you know, because I always thought the older the car, the more valuable. And he said, no, 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 no. The thing that makes the car most valuable is that it is the most desired car of the generation that currently holds the most wealth 
he said, so you could actually have like a car from the 1920s that is a far more rare, exotic, uh, you know, find, but it's not going to be nearly as valuable as that, you know, 1957 Chevy or that 1969 Corvette that, you know, that a certain generation looks back and says, ooh, that was the car or, you know, Mustang or whatever. Um, and so the generation with the most wealth will define what those collectible items are. So I think it's, it's not surprising. Um, hopefully this is, you know, there's probably also a lot of people who, uh, as many people that did not make out well throughout the pandemic. Um, there were a lot of people that did, um, just met somebody the other day who, who sold air filters that claimed to kill the virus. And, you know, I think they're doing pretty well with those products in this market. Um, but, but yeah, probably a lot of people out there with a lot of extra money, spending money on things like this and driving those prices up. So, you know, this to each their own. And uh, if you guys have any, my, any weird, well, obscure <laughs> games that are in, uh, in the shrink wrap, which tiny side note for the longest time, I had a copy of, I want to say it was Falcon 4.0. Uh, it was a fighting game. <laughs> uh, let's see here. And it was, it was 16 color. So I, I don't think it was Falcon 4.0 Falcon. Maybe it was Falcon like the original. Um, but I had a copy of it and it was, uh, in the shrink wrap. And I thought I'm going to keep this cause someday it's going to be worth something. And then eventually I decided, well, it's not worth anything. And I've kept it for far too long and I got rid of it. So somebody out there tell me that I lost out on millions of dollars or that I'm like Matt Damon who turned down avatar. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I brought this up to uh, I'll give a shout out right now uh, to retro logic games on Twitter uh, and Twitch. Uh, he, he ran a little bit of a giveaway that I somehow won and it included a uh, complete edition copy of GoldenEye 64. So it got me, it, it got me into looking at picking up a Nintendo 64 for my collection. Cause it's one of the few systems I don't have. And the price has gone up on Nintendo 64s. Uh, a couple years ago, I could have got one for 70, 80 bucks. They're going now more like 120, 150, 200 bucks even. So I'm kind of like, well, I'm probably not getting back into collecting N64 anytime soon. Um, I, I just don't want to pay that kind of price for it. So uh, shout out to him remember. for the wonderful giveaway Here's... and 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 getting me to try and go back into collecting games, but. Uh, yeah, did you did you find what that game was going for? No, but I did find some playthrough of GoldenEye 64, and I put it on my screen here. So for those of you that, that don't know, look at these graphics. So good. Oh, is it showing uh, up in the video? Or are you, yeah, I'm show putting it, it's in it's the, on uh, the video. It's right here. Podcast? Yeah, you, okay, everybody. You can see it. They uh, can see it. Also, here's, here's Falcon Classic. that I found, 1987. Uh, <laughs> brilliant four-color uh, fighter game. So you've got uh, cyan, magenta, white, and black. And, uh, whew, man, this is amazing. Anyway, got to find okay. out what it's worth. But. Speaking of amazing, <laughs> speaking of amazing, we're going to go from Falcon 16 colors, whatever, to one of the first full reveals of Unreal Engine 5 being used in a game. And it was for the game that is getting so hyped. I don't think there is a single person out there that's not into games that has not seen these trailers for this game. Well, they just transfer the game from Unreal Engine 4 to Unreal Engine 5, and they revealed the first playthrough gameplay of that. And that is for Black Myth Wukong, which is a small studio in Asia that is currently developing this game for all platforms. And my goodness, it looks 
unreal. So we will put a link. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pull thing. some. I'm just going to pull some video right here. You can pull some gameplay gonna, while I'm I talk pull about some it. Gameplay while you talk about it. We'll also link the video, the actual full trailer. So if you guys want to, if you're watching this on YouTube, want to click on that and come back, uh, you can check that out. But my goodness, this game is gorgeous. The gameplay looks unreal. The detail looks unreal. The folklore looks unreal. This this studio is about to do something that I don't think very many studios have done, which is just absolutely blown it out of the park on their first ever game. If you can think of another game that was like this, please let me know. But I have a feeling if this game comes out and hits what it's doing, it's got to be a game of the year candidate for whenever it comes out. We We don't know when it's supposed to. I'm assuming next year. It's been in development for a few years with it switching to Unreal Engine 5. I have a feeling we might see that. So check out the gameplay. Check out our video on YouTube so you can check the gameplay if you're listening to this. And also uh, find the link to the trailer and check out the full 10-minute gameplay for Unreal Engine Wukong Black Myth. Yeah, the, the thing that's nuts to me, and I'm it's on the screen right now on YouTube if you're watching, uh, the thing that's nuts to me is just the detail in things you would never think of. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the, the detail in every rock, in every blade of grass, in every plant, in every hair, um, just those little things that make an amazing detail game. Uh, and I think the other thing is for me, I've always been a graphics guy. Um, there's a part of me that like, I, I love, uh, Hunter call of the wild as a game because the graphics of being in the wilderness and the audio scape is amazing. Um, so things like this, I think are just going to make a game development that much more attractive. And I do wonder if we're ever going to get to the point where photorealism is, uh, maybe we've already gotten there where photorealism is not as desirable as just an interesting aesthetic. So you get games like um, Firewatch is a good example where they said, we don't, we're not going for photorealism. We're going for this interesting aesthetic aesthetic that Ali Moss brings us. Uh, and so, yeah, anyway, on to, on to our next news. Um, what else we got? I lost well, my, my document here. No, you're, you're good. Uh, the, the other big news, and this is more for the future. Again, by the time this posts, you could potentially already know about all this stuff. But Gamescom is this Wednesday, which is uh, dated the 25th. Yep. Of uh, August the 25th in 2021. Of, yep. The, tw- the August 25th of 2021. Gamescom is coming, and it's going to have a lot of gameplay, a lot of interesting things that come forward uh some of the things to look forward to are fire cry 6 lego star wars the skywalker saga is back death stranding director's cut uh all sorts of wonderful games that are going to be shown one of the the things that did get a tease for a full reboot is a new saints row so we're gonna have a new open world sandbox game coming our way from the wonderful people at saints row excited to see that kind of looking forward to that because we haven't had something like that in a long time since pretty much gta 5 i think came out uh well i guess red dead is kind of considered that but i not in the same vein of you steal cars and drive around did gta Uh, 5 ever stop coming out it's coming out again soon it's coming out again soon so (laughs) well and as as is skyrim by the way that that i should also say uh skyrim is coming to playstation 5 and xbox one series x and series s 
uh, here in like a month or so. So if you want more Skyrim fix, guess what, guys? You're getting it. So speaking of uh, Xbox and speaking of uh, open world games, uh, one of the announcements we did talk about was the Xbox getting night mode. Uh, so the fact that uh, the Xbox will be able to do that thing that phones do now where it turns a little bit more orangey, reduces the blue light to say, hey, it's probably getting close to bedtime, uh, not to keep you up super late at night. Um, Russ, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's smart. I mean, I'm always for adding features. I never like removing features. You might as well just work to add everything you possibly can as a device gets older and older. So I'm always for new things and trying out new things. And, and I am a, I am a night mode person when it comes to my phone. I like it a lot of the time because I just prefer the aesthetic of the black theme and the darker theme. So I'll probably be activating on my Xbox. Nice. Same. Uh, I like night mode on most all my devices, uh, unless I'm doing something late at night where I need to stay awake, and then I'll probably deactivate night mode and say, give me all that blue light that's going to keep me awake. But um, I want to move back into talking about open world games, uh, talk a little bit about Free Guy, uh, which got some interesting mixed reviews, but I went and saw it the other day at uh, my first experience, Russ would be very excited, at the Dolby Cinema. Um, wish we were sponsored by Dolby or AMC. Or, can we work on that? <laughs> that? That would be amazing. Sure. Um, but first uh, experience at the Dolby Cinema and saw Free Guy with my kid. Uh, loved it. It was awesome. A really good story. Um, the review that I read said that the first half of the movie was amazing. Second half felt a little bit slower. I actually didn't mind the change of pace. Um, I felt like it really fit the narrative they were trying to tell. And I appreciated that... Um, Without any spoilers, I'll just say that uh, it was not one of those movies where after watching the trailer, you know everything that there is to know in the movie. Um, I was a little bit worried about that going in. It was like, all right, so he's, you know, he's this guy. He's in this open world. He meets this girl. He's fighting this battle. There's like 10 more layers deep for what's going on in the story. Um, and it was actually a very compelling and interesting story the whole time. There's some fun uh I'll say cameos and uh, and fun surprises towards the end. Um, so I'd highly recommend going to see Free Guy. It is it is PG-13, though. Um, so, you know, we debated whether our eight-year-old was old enough for it. Probably not. Uh, we decided not to take her. I wouldn't recommend it for probably under 10. But, uh, yeah, good, good fun time. Russ, are you going to go see it? Uh, definitely. Planning to go see it. Uh, I've been looking forward to that movie as well as a couple others coming up soon. Uh, speaking of movies, uh, a very big one just happened. That's right. A right very... before, I mean, literally, I was about to hit start recording, and Russ was like, <laughs> hold on, Sony just did so, this. Well, the news, we were going to talk about the news, which was that the Spider-Man trailer uh, leaked. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Spider-Man, the next movie, is coming out soon. In fact, it is coming out December 17th, 2021. It's called Spider-Man No Way Home. A uh, quick non-spoiler synopsis, because this is available everywhere, is it is going to have to deal with the multiverse. I'll leave it at that. That is all I will say, because we are going into multiverse territory. We just de dealt with it in Loki, if you watched it on D Disney+. Plus. Um, we are moving into the Marvel multiverse series. So post-Avengers Infinity War, we are now going into the multiverse um, and potentially into Secret Wars, I feel. If you're a Marvel fan, I think we're going Secret Wars and the multiverse, but... The trailer leaked. Well, as I'm collecting news for the trailer leaking, literally two minutes before we hit record, they posted the full trailer officially from Sony, so I did watch it. 
go watch it again let's just um this one we won't watch but i will i will do another link uh above my head here to go watch the no way home trailer little tiny spoilers in the trailer but there are potentially some bigger things happening that are rumored for the movie so you couldn't show a trailer for this movie without showing some of these spoilers it was going to happen that's part of the reason it's taken so long for the trailer to be posted because this is literally the closest to a movie that the trailer no nothing has been posted so go check that out if you love marvel if you love spider-man excited to see that excited to see what comes of that but uh that is pretty much it for the news i say let's uh move on to our main topic of the show uh david if you want to kind of kick us off with what are, what are we chatting about today yeah let me um i gotta pull up something else so let me hit the intro button again uh, that's gonna play our intro music so don't go away um but i gotta pull something up so we will be right back And we're back. See, that wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> so we just wanted to talk a little bit about who we are over here at Crossfire. Uh, I know we say we are a community that is for faith and gaming. Uh, those two things are pretty broad, um, some somewhat intentionally so. Um, part of that is that we wanted to create a community that is uh, open to people of all faiths. So Russ and I are both United Methodists. I'm a Methodist pastor. Russ is a pastor's spouse and uh, and and it guy what is what is your do you have an official title with the church a just, tech director i guess you do, yeah you're a tech director there you go <laughs> um so you know we're within the methodist church and a lot of our followers are within the methodist church but we wanted to make this open to all faiths so it's not explicitly christian uh, we've got a couple people that are uh, questioning their faith a couple people that are you know definitively non-christian and we've had great community and great conversation there and then gaming right gaming encompasses uh, everything across the board from tabletop gaming to board games to uh you know uh, role-playing games to video games to probably some games i didn't mention that people are gonna get upset i didn't mention those styles of games Monopoly. that's a board game i mentioned board games i know i know i know you know or or is it role-playing i don't know um who knows <laughs> So uh, we wanted to talk about a little bit the goal for this group. And, and part of that is that I think our goal is to be as inclusive as possible. Uh, and what that means is that we have to deal with this thing called the paradox of tolerance, uh, where the question is, how do we be as inclusive as possible and yet make space for people who may disagree with one another? Uh, so we came up with a definitive statement of who we are. And uh, kind of an intro statement that we're probably going to read in our future podcasts. Um, and I'd like to read those to you now. Or Russ, if you've got them in front of their screen, I can read one and you can read the other one. You read it because I do not. Have I will. <laughs> I will read it then. Uh, so who are we? Crossfire is an open, inclusive and affirming faith based community and a podcast affiliated with the United Methodist Church, but open to people of all faiths ages, ethnicities, ancestries, genders, gender identities, sexual orientations, national origins, abilities, races, sizes, socioeconomic backgrounds, or any other categorization that has been used historically to divide us as human beings and those things that deny our, our identity as beloved creations of God. And what we mean by the, those things that deny our identity, those categories that are used to say, you're in this box 
you're not a beloved creation of God. So we wholeheartedly reject divisions um, and we affirm our uniqueness in those identities. Um, beyond that, we want to extend a special welcome. And this is kind of a fun thing. We wholeheartedly stole it from Hope United Methodist Church in Billings, Montana, where Russ's wife, Angie Dornish, is the pastor. And uh, so we stole this wonderful inclusion statement that is a welcoming uh, statement. So we're going to read it now. We extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, LGBTQ, straight, wealthy, financially struggling, young, and old. We welcome those who are over 60 but have not grown up yet, and those teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome those who don't like organized religion and those who are visiting from out of town and came with grandma. We welcome soccer moms, Boy Scout dads, NASCAR fans, vegetarians, exercise enthusiasts, and junk food eaters. We welcome those who are in recovery and those who are still battling addiction. We welcome people of every race, ethnicity, and cultural background. We welcome people who are passionate about Jesus and people who are wrestling with their faith. So, Russ, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on our uh, statement here and any other questions or comments or where, where are we going with this? So that statement that we use uh, from my church, from my wife's church that they have put together, I think really sums up what we're looking for here. We are looking for an inclusive community. Now, I have been a part of a number of geek, nerd, gaming, Christian communities all over the internet. And one thing that I have noticed from all of them is their ability to exclude others their ability to not allow any wrestling, the ability to not allow people who may have slightly differing opinions or beliefs. The goal of a community like this is not just to bring together people who have a like-minded idea or love of games like we do, but also to bring in the ability and comfortable comfortness. I, I don't know how you would explain that, but the comfort in Wrestling with your faith. I think the only way that you can truly be strong in your faith and in your relationship with God is if you question it. Now, most people would say, well, if you really believe in God, why would you question it? Well, the whole point is we should never just be comfortable where we're at. We should always be questioning things. We should always be learning. We should always be finding new things. And I feel that as adults and as people that we grow up, we need to figure these things out for ourselves. It's no longer a place where we need to be spoon fed the information that our pastor says, spoon fed what David and I say wrestle with the topics that you have questions with ask questions find out what we believe find out what others believe read books and find out what even more others believe and form your own opinions that's where we really want to be but along with that we need to understand that we're not all going to agree we're not always going to agree on the same things and as a result we need to be respectful of each other we need to be respectful of where we're at where <coughs> excuse me gosh where we're struggling with things what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our personal lives, and be respectful of that and understand that, you know, I may not believe this, but this person may. So I can state that I may not believe in this, but I can't be inappropriate about it. I can't be disrespectful about that difference in belief. We're fine with somebody saying, you know, I, I don't believe in LGBTQ. I get that, okay? Us as a group are saying that we are affirming and accepting of that. Will we accept people who don't believe that? Absolutely. 
but we need to also respect the people in our group who do and who are part of that group. We do have many LGBTQ people that are part of our group and take part in different things that our group has. So you saying, you know, a mean or disrespectful comment about it is one thing. Just simply stating that I don't believe that and this is why, that's something different and we can accept that. So those are things that we want to see going forward. We really want to harp on that idea of what this group is, what we are trying to accomplish, and what we are going to be moving forward. And that is a group that is allowing discovery of new things, but also remembering that we need to be respectful of one another. I think that best sums up what we're really looking for. Dave, what are your final kind of thoughts and, and ideas on this? Well, what came to mind when you were talking was um, the notion of a lot of people will quote uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so the idea that we do have to wrestle with things, we do have to come up against people who may believe slightly different than us. And, and the other thing I think that's really important with that, uh, and I'm actually going to borrow a thing from Troy Baker, which uh, Troy, if you're listening... Or people, if you know Troy, never. <laughs> we want to have Troy on our podcast, so let's make it happen. I'm going to put it out there as people, as people in the uh, positive psychology world say, I'm putting it out in the universe uh, that it will manifest itself to me. It's never One worked, day. but One anyway. Um, but Troy Baker said this recently on uh, one of the Playwatch Listen podcasts I was listening to. He said um, that the reality is that iron by itself is not as strong as when you add the impurities, right? When you add things that are a little bit different, it makes iron stronger and it becomes steel. So adding a little bit of carbon that's different than just the pure iron actually strengthens it more. So I think our differences make us a stronger community as long as we're willing to never discriminate uh, and always affirm and make space for differences of belief, differences in identities, different backgrounds. Uh, And what I would always tell people is I have to be able to enter every conversation willing to be wrong. Right. If I am willing to be wrong, then I am willing to be changed. Imagine coming into church with a preset notion that, you know, everything and you're never going to be changed. If you do that, then it doesn't matter what the pastor says. doesn't matter what you pray. It doesn't matter what you sing. You'll never be changed. But if you want a life-changing experience, you have to be willing to be changed. So I think we come into every conversation, every relationship, willing to be changed, willing to be wrong, willing willing to understand one another. And then I'm going to borrow a phrase that one of our members said, which is that uh, change moves at the pace of relationship. And so I think by developing one-on-one relationships with each other, uh, which is what our whole Crossfire community is all about, uh, you can check out more about it, I think, over there where it says facebook.com slash crossfirefaithgaming, uh, or go to churchforgamers.com and learn more about our community. Um, this is the community that we're trying to create. So I hope that you will join us in creating this community. Uh, I hope that you enjoy our podcast and you get a lot out of it. And I hope that you find a way to be changed and to help us change the lives of others. I think that's all I've got for this week. So Russ, if you don't have anything else, uh, we will close out. We're good. Uh, just make sure you guys, uh, like, and subscribe. If you're watching this video on YouTube, of course, all the usual stuff that you hear from all this, You know the spiel by now. Everybody does. 
but make sure you continue to keep supporting us the way that you are we appreciate it check out our website if you guys want to find more things that we're doing and uh yeah just continue being a part of this community welcome to this community if you're new and uh thank you guys for all of the regulars that are a part of this community as we move forward in this journey together of crossfire faith and gaming so we'll see you guys in the next podcast or the stream or wherever you might find us on the interwebs we appreciate you and thank you so god bless and have a wonderful wonderful week Crossfire.